it just it's a reminder of how hard work can pay off and if you mentally like if you have it in your mind that if you can see it in your mind and you execute it can happen All right, welcome back, my friends, to the podcast. I'm Carl Pauli, uh, your host, as uh, you may know. And I'm sitting here with Rylan, uh, producer, co-creative director. And we have a special uh, guest here today. Ooh, who's that? B-Boy Wicket, a.k.a. No, it's, it's Gabriel Jauchico. That's yeah. your name. But, but, you, uh, but you go by B-Boy Wicket. B-Boy Wicket. You just won Freestyle Session. I did. How do you feel? I'm still on a high. Have you shown uh, Rylan what's around your neck? I did. Did I? I'll show you again. <laughs> Look at that. No, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> the ring. Yeah, I'm pretty. I don't, I'm not big on jewelry, but this piece means a lot. <laughs> Why does it mean so much to you? It just it's a reminder of how hard work can pay off, and if you mentally like, if you have it in your mind that if you can see it in your mind. And you execute, it could happen, you know, with the hard work and just, you know, being real, being true to your, your practice and, and just being patient. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And, and that's something that we, we want to talk about here. Ryland, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. It's good to be with you guys and uh, nice to finally meet you, nice Wicked. Nice to meet you too, buddy. Yep, heard a lot about you. Um, yeah, excited to just, you know, have our weekly conversation. Yeah, you, and you got a tattoo. You got a tat? I did get a tattoo. Can I see it? Yeah, here you go. Uh-oh. Hey. Is that a ladder? So this is a um, pretty special tattoo. It's my first tattoo. Mm-hmm. My friend Georgia gave it to me. She does stick and poke. And we went to college together, and we always said that my first tattoo would be from her. Oh, and that was nice. like six years ago. Wow. And so she came up with me to, or down with me rather, to uh, right outside of Fresno, where my grandma has a uh, a raisin farm that she grew up on. It's uh, been in our family over a hundred years. Wow! And so we spend every Thanksgiving down there. And so this ladder is an orchard ladder that is my great grandfather's named Poppy. And every year we take a photo of all of the cousins and the grandparents behind or in front of the la- the ladder, and. Um, yeah, we had this old like whole other crazy idea of doing an actual like poppy flower and last minute I saw the ladder out of the corner of my eye I was like we're doing that. And um to me it just it, it represents a lot of a lot of different things one of those being just like to your point wicked hard work. Right. Right? Like my great grandfather came from Ohio. Um both of his parents passed away when he was uh around eight years old, his older brother was 10 and the two of them hopped on a train and came out to California by themselves and, um, ended up on this farm kind of being adopted by another family and then they took it over. So it's just like crazy story of perseverance and just like kind of going into the, into the abyss of unknown and, you know, something incredible happening from, uh, cool. from tragedy. So See, yeah. that's special, you know, especially if that's your first tat. I mean, it really means something. Yeah, and to have someone that, you know, I love and is one of my best friends mm-hmm. give it to me is, you know, pretty special too. And as an artist, uh, like she's trying to develop her craft as 
you know, doing stick and poke, and it's always nerve wracking to stick and poke is like the original way to get a tat. Yeah, right? it's like I mean, some people will call it like a prison tat. Uh-huh. <laughs> you know, like, is that what they call it? Yeah. How long did it take? This one took an about an hour and a half. I mean, it is tiny for those an of hour you and a half listening. It's like maybe it's like an, two an, inches, an inch and a half, two inches. Yeah, hour and a half of just poking me. It looks clean. Yeah, it's awesome. I'm stoked. Um, it got weirdly meditative through ah. the process of it. Like I could have fallen asleep by the end. Was it painful? In the beginning, but then it, you become well. It's weird. It's this like. Um, kind of polarizing pain where in the beginning it's painful and then it gets familiar but then she has to go over it five different times and so now she's going over an open wound so it gets more painful yeah but it's more familiar you're more comfortable with the pain so you're not as like reactive makes sense yeah i have no tattoos let's go get one for you you have several tattoos i have several that don't mean nothing (laughs) <laughs> should we call georgia right now get her we over should. here get her actually over. we should we should do it like in real time like live me getting tatted by georgia I, i'm down actually I'm, that would be legit we could podcast and tattoo at the same time because there's no noise there's no like tattoo gun like it's just poke, poke, poke. so we could have a conversation Sick. yeah well i'm not getting one yet but <laughs> who knows uh never say never so uh welcome back to the podcast I think this is pretty cool to have this format. Uh, Wicket has been thrown into the podcast. He, he didn't know. He's sitting here with a blanket. Uh, so comfy. You had a blanket on last a, time you were on. The, I if, did have a blanket. If you guys haven't listened to the podcast that Wicket was on in season two, you can go back and listen to that. Uh, today's pos- podcast is more about uh, talking about purpose. And, and we're going to intro a talk that I gave at an event uh, we hosted here in San Francisco called The Insider. And this, uh, this event uh, is dedicated to communication, brand development, business development, and personal development. And uh, I gave this talk on the first day in the morning, and it was a talk around the topic of uh, Ikigai, which is the Japanese art of purpose, which... Uh, did I introduce that? I introduced it to you, right? Yeah, Ryland? you introduced it to okay. me, and then I taught it on the retreat. Okay, it's it's interesting how this happened. Do you know what Ikigai is? I don't. You don't. Please explain. You're going to learn today. Because, you know, you're going to learn. Yeah, you're going to learn today. Okay. Um, Ikigai was actually introduced to me by a friend, uh, Linda, who uh, reached out to me and said, Hey, it sounds like this is what you're teaching right now. Take a look at it. See if you're interested. And, and basically, uh, it was a Venn diagram, which is four circles overlapping. And one of the circles uh, addresses all that which you love. The other circle addresses all that which uh, you are uh, good at. The other circle addresses uh, that which you do in exchange for value. And the last circle addresses everything that you believe the world needs more of. But in a nutshell, uh, I, I, I discuss what Ikigai is in this talk. And, um, and ultimately, what it allows us to define is, is a couple different areas of our life that uh, are important, which are our passion, our profession, and our vocation, and ultimately utilizing those three to define uh, a mission, like a a mission statement. So we're going to get right into that talk, and after the talk, the three of us are going to reflect on it a little bit. So here's the talk at The Insider, uh, talking about Ikigai. (laughs) 
what we're going to do now is we're going to dive into uh, two things. One, we're going to talk about uh, purpose, and we're going to do that through a, an exercise that most of you guys here are familiar with. If you're not, just go with it. If you are, do it again, which is uh, from the Japanese art of purpose. It's called Ikigai. We were talking yesterday, Mike, about this. And what did we say Ikigai was the direct translation? It was... Uh, yeah, it was a, a reason for living. That, that was, that's what it was. Yeah, ikigai. Um, we're going to go through this exercise, and it's very simple. So if you have a notebook, I want you to write down a few things, okay? We're going to make a few lists here. And this is not something that really happens in 30 minutes. This is something that takes a while to go through. But let's see how much we can get done today. First question on the Ikigai exercise is we're going to list all that which we love. Okay, There's things that you love. You can start working on it right now. And it can be stuff like, I love walking my dog. I love uh, slacklining. I love uh, telling jokes, laughing, whatever it is. If you're currently wearing uh, the hat of the business owner or leader of your organization, Put that hat on and ask yourself, what do I love about the role that I play within my organization? You can even put the hat on of uh, your uh, network of friends and family. What role do I play within that family, friends, network, and what do I love about it? So with no rush, but moving, we're going to get into the second question, which is, all that which you consider you're maybe skilled or good at. Anything that you feel like, ah, I'm pretty good at this. I want you to make a list of those things. I'm going to underscore here, believe, okay? <laughs> we all believe something. All that which you believe you are good at. Which maybe by tomorrow you'll be like, maybe not. <laughs> but that's okay. Right now, where are you at? And without interrupting your flow too much, I know that uh, depending on the day, I feel like I'm good at something uh, different. <laughs> so uh, it's okay if it fluctuates. I just want to know where you're at today. I'm gently going to move into uh, our third list, which is we're going to write down all that which we believe we can do an exchange for value, which could be a resource or money. And you're just going to write down those things. What are things, tasks, actions, services you can do in exchange for value? I'm going to exclude the word believe here because I want you to be as objective as you can. And just a friendly reminder, you're wearing whatever hat you want to wear. The mom hat, dad hat, boss hat, friend hat. Whatever is your hat coming into this weekend. One of the topics you're going to hear through the weekend uh, is the topic around process. This is something that you just can't escape. So I thought as I'm standing here and you guys are going through your own process, I would share a little bit of what my process is right now, simply because uh, I think it's interesting 
So we're all sitting here. We're doing the thing now. We're in it. This is what we signed up for, and we flew in, and we spent money, and all this stuff. And here we are, right? And uh, I'm supposed to be 100% focused and channeling, uh, sharing my best information and giving you everything I have. In addition to the information that I'm giving you, right now in my head, I'm thinking, okay, in terms of production value here, what are we looking at? Okay, cool, people are sitting here, we got cameras going, they're doing an exercise. Where's my DJ? I'm thinking, right, where's my music? So just so you guys know, as we go through process, ideas are going to come up. For me right now, it's like, okay, this is where the DJ comes in and there's music. Or there's where, this is where I have a live artist playing. Or this is where you know, someone's drawing a painting. It's important to be able to acknowledge those things. So as you're doing your notes, if stuff comes up, write those ideas down. Or even if it's on your phone or like a little aside. And then come and revisit those later. Okay? Because that's how we take our craft, our practice to the next level. Okay? That was just a little aside I thought I would share. Cool, you can continue on with uh, uh, number four here, but, uh, number three, but we're going to go into number four here shortly. And number four is all that which you believe the world needs more of. Now, this is a deep, deep question already um, and maybe hard to answer. And if you can't answer that, ask yourself, what do you think you need more of? So now... With more time, what we would like to do is we would like to siphon out of these lists that we made, maybe the top three things that you believe have the most value for all four of these lists. So if you looked at your list of all that which you love, you pick the top three. And if you're struggling with top three, you can go even five, okay? But top three. And what you're going to notice is that most likely there is some overlap between that which you love and that which you are good at or you believe you're good at. This right here, what's interesting about this is that usually this is what allows us to uh, identify what we are passionate about. It's what we have passion for. If you do the same thing with the list number two and three, you'll see another set of overlaps. And this is where we start getting into what our profession looks like. Now, if you're thinking about, if you're wearing the the role of being a a father or uh, you're thinking about your community as friends, uh, the word profession wouldn't work there. There's something else. Uh, This is some kind of service. You are of service in some sort of form. Does this make sense to you guys? But for now, a lot of you guys are here because you're in professional development. (laughs) So this is an important uh, concept to have in mind. And then we have the overlap between the third list and the fourth list. And this is where we get into what would define our vocation. There's a difference between profession and vocation. Profession... We can call it the mere exchange. So if you're a massage therapist, we're going to put you in that bucket, and I come in and get a massage from Rich, he just exercised his profession. But Rich, he cares a lot more about 
people than the technique that he uses. He cares about how this is going to carry over and to help the world get their needs met outside of the room where he did the massage. Does this make sense? So vocation is where we start transcending our profession into our contribution into the greater good, our extended community. Example, if you run, yeah, we'll get there. If you run, uh, if you have a platform and you teach runners how to run better and exercise around running, the way that running affects them goes beyond themselves. It affects their families, it affects their well-being, and just becoming uh, aware of that is important. And it's good to identify where that exists. Tony. So is this interactive? I can... Yes, you can. Uh, Tony, you know this is interactive. Yeah. <laughs> I'm here to dictate. <laughs> yeah. Tell me, Tony. Mm. Tony, this is why you and I are friends. And why, uh, if you don't know, Tony and I wrote the book together, and he will be speaking with me tomorrow. But this is what Tony does. He helps you take your ideas, break them down, challenges you with some questions. And this is what I, I believe you may have experienced. It's the overlap that exists between the list number four and number one, which usually is the thing that allows us to identify what our mission is. There's a difference between our mission, our passion, our profession, and our vocation. But there's clearly overlap amongst all of them. Does this uh, uh, vibe with you a little bit? Yeah? Is that what you were experiencing to some degree? Okay. So, um, have you ever heard of uh, life-work balance? <laughs> the concept, right? Yeah. Yes, I've heard of it. Has anyone ever been able to achieve it to a point where they're like, yes, I'm not just doing it today, but I've been doing it for years. Raise your hand if you have. Not Nathan. Good job. Is it you or is it the boo? <laughs> is it Aaron? It's ah. <laughs> so, so Nate does not have the capacity, but he married into a good, a good structure. Rich, you, you got it? Yeah. Okay, comes more than it goes now. That's awesome. I like that. It's kind of like when I was surfing, <laughs> there was no balance. I was drowning. But then as I got more comfortable, all of a sudden I'm like, oh yeah, it can come and go. I can experience that. I want to give you a, a little practical uh, or like a visual on what this kind of looks like for me. And maybe you guys can relate to this. I believe that our passion, our profession, and our vocation are like a tripod. Each one of those, my passion, my profession, and my vocation, are legs to this tripod. And a tripod being a very stable tool that I can utilize to maybe place a camera on or something else. Do you guys see that? When I am able to find some kind of balance between what I am passionate about, my profession, and my vocation, I tend to feel more fulfilled, more at ease. 
when I only exercise my profession, I, my passion, sorry, what ends up happening is that my bank account starts to go like this. And you know what happens when you get short on money? You start making very weird decisions. I think Logan's talked about this. Who's been there before? Yes. <laughs> Look at Tanya. <laughs> We're fine. <laughs> right? If you only focus on your profession, what ends up happening is that even though you may love your family and you're passionate about taking care of your friends and being around them, all of a sudden you start neglecting them. They start to crumble. If I'm only focused on my vocation, on the contribution, what ends up happening is that I'm giving all of myself away and I find myself in a place where I don't know who I am anymore. Or at least I don't have a sense for that. So what I'm trying to help you guys do here today is to find a little bit of clarity where you can now identify what you're passionate about, where you're exchanging value, and where you're contributing to the rest of the world. So on a daily basis, we can find this tripod, which on top of that tripod, we're going to place our mission. And a mission can be a personal mission. It can be an organizational mission. It can be a family mission. It's up to you. Nate, you had a question? So, with one, where do hobbies fit into this? That's something that you would be more passionate about, yeah. But some people, let's say, uh, who here is in fitness? <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are in fitness. Who started with fitness as their passion? Yeah, and then it became potentially their profession. And then for me right now, I don't see fitness necessarily as my profession. But it's definitely part of my vocation, and it exists uh, within my passion. For example, I go to Telegraph CrossFit, which I love with Angel. Angel owns Telegraph CrossFit, where my wife and I are a member at. And I enjoy, when I see Dr. Dan come in who wants to get a muscle up, I enjoy being able to contribute in some way. I enjoy when they say, hey, I found one of your videos, and I didn't even know that you taught these things, and it's adding value to me. That's awesome. So I think that's where uh, that kind of falls. Does that answer your question? Yeah, and then for work-life balance, how much of this is like hard percentage of things and more the mental If I knew, I wouldn't be here, my friend. <laughs> I would be somewhere else. I think everyone has a mental model of what it should look like. And then when we put it into play, we have a, a chance to compare whether that's true or not. So there has to be some action behind the theory. What I thought maybe was uh, I have to work hard 80% of my time and then spend 20% of my time with my passion. Now is I need 80% of my time to be passion and 20% of my time to be work. And I don't think that's going to be this way forever. Maybe next year it will flip over. So it has to fluctuate. We have to be cool with it coming and going in waves. And there is no number, there is no method, there is no technique. There's a thought process behind it. And what I want to do is I want to help us figure out whether our thought process is directing us where we want to go or not. Because a lot of us think we want something, 
And then when we have it, we realize, oh shit, this is not really what I wanted. Okay? <laughs> I'm just looking at Wicket, looking up at the up at the ceiling. No, there's I'm trying to read what it says just, just so I oh, can Oh in here? Yeah. I see. Just so I can focus to be quiet. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, my friends, welcome back. That was um, the talk about Ikigai, and uh, that's something that we would all encourage you to to do as an exercise. And one of the ways that you can do this exercise is uh, waking up in the morning, making a list of all that which you love, and then uh, the next day doing the same thing with all that which you're good at, and then the next day doing the same thing with all that which you can do in exchange for value or money, and then finally doing that fourth list, which is all that you uh, believe that the world needs more of. And that may be true for you today, uh, may be true for you tomorrow, in a week, in a month from now, but maybe in a year that changes. So this is something that you can do over and over again, and it's a never-ending process, which is why I find this uh, very, very interesting. And I think you, Ryland, have found it interesting as well because you even taught this at a, at a retreat. Uh, how did that go? It went in incredibly well. Um, I kind of integrated it into a workshop that I've been teaching for the last three years. And um, the final piece of that workshop is kind of imagining your day one year from now and writing out kind of this like just amazing, incredible day that you would be living without any fear of failure. And what I realized when you taught me, Carl, about Ikigai is that that is kind of the the warm up to the creative writing session is perfect because it gives you something like a foundation to write off of. Yeah. yeah. I th- I think it's it's interesting and for people so they don't get very confused or they can see uh that they're this is about uh developing values and culture. Uh think about hip hop culture for you. Uh if you were to tell someone what hip hop is, what would you say it is, Wick? Peace, unity. Love having fun. Peace, unity, love having fun. Oh, cool. Now, if my mom uh, tries to look up what hip-hop is or to listen to some music or figure it out, that wouldn't be at the forefront necessarily. So it's interesting that you, who have been uh, emerged in this, like you've emerged through hip-hop and you've been submerged, like meaning in hip-hop for yeah. so long, your whole life, you've arrived at that conclusion, which is really cool. But you could look at hip-hop as, um, what are the different pillars of hip-hop or, or uh, expressions of hip-hop? You mean like elements? Yeah, I elements. Think, I mean, you have the DJ, you got the MC, you got the graffiti artist, you have the B-boy, you have people that help the DJ, you got fashion involved. I mean, there's so many elements. So now there. it's kind of extended into fashion, but otherwise it's emceeing. Emceeing. What, what's emceeing for people who don't know? Um, when You know, MC is, is somebody who'll rap over the beats that the DJ would play. Mm-hmm. And then DJing mm-hmm. is playing the music? DJing is playing the music. The DJ would, uh, you know, put the vibe out there for the party and go back and forth between two records for the rapper. And the do MC. they also, do the DJs also produce the music? Sometimes, yeah. Most of the time, actually. Okay. Yeah. So you have emceeing, DJing, and then you have graffiti. You got the graffiti art. Yeah, which is is street art. Which is street art, which is the, the artistic form of expressing yourself on buildings and stuff and 
it's in transportation. Yeah, transportation. Yeah, yeah. You, you see it on trains, and <laughs> yeah. so, some is illegal, but now some has been commissioned, and it's uh, something that you can do professionally. And then you have breaking, which is what you do. Breaking is what I do, which yeah. is the dance, which is the dance form. It's kind of like hip-hop. the physical art. Physical art, yeah, exactly. So those four elements are kind of like the four pillars. And if if you think about Ikigai as having also four pillars. Oh, uh, I see where you're going You see that. there's overlap. And these four pillars allow us to have a blueprint to arrive through a process, through an iterative pro- process, which this means that you're going to constantly evolve, constantly adapt, constantly change, constantly challenge yourself, where you can arrive at a place where you can say, oh, you know what? Hip-hop is about peace, unity, love respect all these things mm-hmm. which at first glance people may not see right and why this is interesting is because every single one of us constantly as we're walking around the world we're expressing ourselves so in a way we are uh, our own unique uh, artistic expression which people are going to perceive in different ways sometimes it's going to come through our uh, personal life Sometimes it come through, comes through our uh, professional life, and other times it comes through uh, the, the things that we develop, let's say, for a craftsman or, or woman. Uh, whatever you're producing as a product is a way that people perceive you. So it, it's important to identify what are the different pillars and how are you expressing yourself. And the reason it's important is because it allows you to reflect back towards yourself who you really are. And potentially arrive sooner, quicker, uh, more effectively, or at the right time at the conclusion that you had, which are the values that you just expressed that uh, define hip-hop for you. Mm-hmm. So, um, Ryland, do you have some questions about uh, Ikigai that came through in the in the retreat that you wanted to share now or should we go straight into uh doing a little exercise with wick damn throw me in the pool why don't you (laughs) let's let's just dive into it and then i think perhaps some of the questions will just be answered through that and if not i'll ask them in the back end are you are you ready let's just do that that's 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 just for fun so this is what it is you you wick you're gonna list uh three things that when you think about your life um, we're going to call it that you love to do things that you, you love to do on a daily basis, make music, make music, uh, dance. Okay. Eat junk food. Eat junk. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> let's just call it eat because you, you eat junk food for fun sometimes, but you, you eat pretty healthy. Yeah. <laughs> when you're training, when you're training, you you do take care of yourself. No, when I'm training, yeah, yeah. I was definitely strict about my diet, and I had oh. people watching me, and you know, you know, when you got somebody like Flowmaster looking at my posts and calling me, texting me, and yeah, it's kind of hard to to slip by that. So let's just call it that you you like to eat. I you, like to eat. You enjoy yeah. food. I enjoy food very yes. much. And sometimes junk food is nice. It's very nice. Okay, <laughs> so so that would be the things that you um you love. Okay, yeah. you love to do. Now let's think about things that you would consider yourself to be skilled at. Ah, uh, skills. And and you don't have to be humble here. You just um. And I know that you as as a top performer, uh, you. You're, you can be hard on yourself, but what are things that you feel pretty confident uh, doing? I feel confident in breaking. Yeah, breaking, so dancing. Mm-hmm. I feel confident in producing music. Yeah, music. 
feel confident in being patient. Mm. So uh, it's interesting because here you have an overlap of breaking or dancing and making music. Those are things that you love and you happen to also be good at. Right. It's no surprise. <laughs> okay. So now let's let's go a, a step further. Now, and the reason we were talking about overlap is because earlier we were talking about this kind of Venn diagram, which is uh, circles that are overlapping like that. Okay. That that's that's the overlap. That's the intersection, the cross section. Got it. Cool. Now let's get into things that you currently do in exchange for money. I teach on Sundays. Cool. And what do you teach? Um, breaking. Yeah, you teach dance. Mm-hmm. Cool. What else do you do? Um, I also DJ uh, at this the Zach Theater in Austin mm-hmm. after their uh, shows that they have. <laughs> I've been to one of those. Yeah, shows. that's right. Yeah, yeah. that was awesome. You yeah. actually performed in I one of the shows. Performed in that. Yeah. Yeah, you were in one of the shows. I was the hip hop bunny. That was really cool. <laughs> <laughs> I wore bun. Uh, I wore a baseball cap with bunny ears on it and. Do you remember? Yeah, the production was great, though. Oh, yeah, production is top of the line. Yeah. Yeah. Unreal. So, okay, so currently for work, you you teach dance, Mm -hmm. you DJ. DJ. What else? Produce music. You produce music. Mix and master music. Uh, You were the engineer for this podcast. I was the engineer for Freestyle Podcast. And you were getting paid for that. And I was getting buku for that. (laughs) (laughs) You should see the whip. That's why you're doing it for free now. Um, (laughs) Okay, and then what else do you do? Um, You know what's funny is I never thought about it until now. Like, I also do artist development. I mean, it just, it's just part of what comes as a producer. Mm -hmm. You know, you're you're helping the artist develop their style, their, you, you know, you just become, that's, yeah. Damn, I do that too. <laughs> yeah, and and you also judge events. I judge. I'm into judging people very much. Yes, you are. Yeah, uh, I judge a lot of b boy events worldwide. Yeah, you, you judge events. Okay, mm-hmm. so you're still in dance. You're still producing music, uh, but there's something else that's coming out here, which is developing artists. Right. And uh, on top of that, uh, you are someone who is. Uh, a leader in the hip-hop culture, spe- specifically in breaking. As a judge, you, you don't just sit there and score people because afterwards people come up to you. Or I'll come up to them. Yeah, and what ha- why, why do you do that? What happens there? I may see these same perfor- or competitors the following month in a different country or a different state, and you know, and sometimes I still vote against them, but if they don't come up to me, I feel like, they should know, you know. If, what, what should they know? They should know what I'm looking for as, you know, uh, what I'm looking for as a judge. Aside from whoever else is around me that's judging next to me, I mean, I'm looking for other things. Right, and why do you, you think know? they should care about that? Because I judge a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, okay, but think about them. It's all about me right now. Okay. I'm joking, okay. The, Take this serious just for a second. Yeah. Uh, Think about this. When they come to you, what is it that they care about? Why? They they care about why. Mm -hmm. Like what how can they get better? Right. You know. And And why do you care about sharing that? Because they should know. I mean, it shouldn't be a secret. 
Why do you think people come to breaking events? Like, why do people in the in the in the breaking scene enter uh, uh, dance battles? Basically, why do they enter these battles? Most of these guys just want to do it for popularity. Okay, and what comes with popularity? Uh, what comes with popularity? Wow, that's that's deep. A lot of pressure. Doesn't sound very exciting no, to me. No, you're putting all this pressure on yourself. It's just energy that you don't want to waste, you know. And that's what I learned uh, preparing for this battle. It's like this pressure is wasting my energy. It's like killing me before I even dance. I'm like already tired mm-hmm. because of because of uh, the uh, the energy that the pressure wastes. It's just. Yeah, so that's something that comes with popularity. So mm-hmm. people want to win. Think about this. Pe- people want to go to these battles. They want to make a name for themselves. They yeah. want to win. They want to become professionals like you are, like Kid David is, like Rock's Right is, like all these uh, famous B-boys. And as they get there, uh, all of a sudden there's pressure. They don't, they don't feel great. Right. So there's a lot of things that they believe they want, but once they get them, they don't really like. So, so what are they really asking you for when they come up to you, you think? They're looking for guidance. Mm. You know, just guidance. And um, because they know that I've been around, you know, 20 plus years. And they know that I talk to people at these events, even... I'm not going to say that the other judges don't, but even if I'm tired, I'm sleepy, jet lagged, I'm going to make the effort to talk to these people because that's what I would want, you know, if tables were turned. Mm-hmm. And actually, as as a as a young b-boy coming up, that's happened to me before where I, I looked for guidance from people that I looked up to and they would just be very short and go about their business. Mm-hmm. You know, and I felt like that's that was whack. You know, so I don't, I don't want to carry that. You know, so I, I, yeah, I think guidance. You know, guidance. Yeah. So this is interesting because when you go and judge events, which you get paid for, you know, somewhere inside of you, in your heart, you know that it's not just about judging the event. Right. It's about developing the artist. Developing the art. It's about developing the culture. Yeah. It's about helping them understand that in order to win, these are the things that you are looking for. Mm -hmm. And the things that you are looking for, and correct me if I'm wrong here, are most likely things that you believe create a well-rounded culture, make sure that the the craft of breaking is uh, carrying tradition. Right. And at the same time, pushing the limits and evolving it. Yes. And making it uh, something that is sustainable and ever growing. Amen to that. It, you agree with me? <laughs> I on that? agree with you. Okay, one hundred percent. Great. So I think this is the stuff that, um, although I may be coming kind of hard on you, I think is important mm-hmm. to think about and to feel uncomfortable thinking about. So we, as leaders in our own little communities, can be of better service. Right. And that's why this conversation is important. Absolutely. And this is why this exercise is important. And this is very, very interesting because people um, who are in a position like yourself, 
where they're uh, the things that they love, the things that they're good at, and the things that they do for money, basically resources as a profession. Right. Uh, when those things overlap so much, it can get confusing. Very confusing. Oh, my. I text you all the time. Mm-hmm. It's confusing. Yeah. And we're always looking for clarity. So th- mm-hmm. that's part of this exercise. Okay, let's, let's, let's move on here. So the fourth question is, what do you believe the world needs more of? What do I believe the world needs more of? And if you, if you struggle with that, what do you need more of? I need more patience. Okay. Yeah. And you said earlier that patience was something that you were good at. And bad at. Okay, so you need to work on that. You, you, mm-hmm. There's something about patience. So people need more patience. People need more patience. Um, uh, they need to be more real with themselves. Because I see a lot of, in, my, in the dance world, in the breaking world, I see a lot of uh, young competitors that, actually not even young. I mean, it's, it's young and old. I mean, they still have not found themselves as a as a dancer and if they haven't found themselves as a dancer then they probably haven't found themselves as a, as a person mm-hmm. so i mean i'm 41 years old i just found myself like a year ago <laughs> so i think if uh if you haven't found yourself or if you don't even know then damn that's yeah Issues. Yeah, so issues, <laughs> for sure. Can you give me an example of um, what that means to find yourself? Um, well, for me, in my case, um, growing up as a young b-boy, I wanted to be just like Ken Swift or Crazy Legs or, you know, people that I was inspired by. And for years, I would dance just like them, do the moves just like them, maybe even better sometimes. And when I would see the footage um, of myself competing or judge solos and stuff like that, and uh, I, I would never, my, I would cringe like every time I saw myself because it was never good enough. It was never funky enough. And I was just like, every time, I, even if people thought I did amazing, even if I went viral for that month or whatever, I still would cringe every time I watched it because it's not me. Mm-hmm. And and what does it feel like when you are doing you in in like dancing? I, I see you smirking because you can't help yourself. Uh, <laughs> what does it feel like? It feels amazing. I mean, it feels like uh, I mean, I've been on a high for like almost a week and a half now since you won. Since I won, and it this win was just like unlike any other win because. It was me, you know, I, I, it was totally me, like 100%. Like, I wasn't trying to be like nobody. I wasn't, I mean, like, all my battles throughout that weekend, I could watch and be like, okay, I see where I made a mistake, but I was still like, damn, I did pretty good. You know, like, I, was, I wasn't, I was like, cringing. I was, you know, I was just, like, amazed. Like, wow, I could have been this years ago, but better late than never. And you're talking about now not just um, how you're performing, mm-hmm. like how you're executing, but uh, what you were wearing, how you were thinking about oh the battles, gosh. everything, right? Yeah, everything. Like, I went into the battle, uh, I didn't care about what I was wearing. I, I, I wore what I wore at practice. And um, 
basically looked like i mean rocks right made fun of me the whole the first day put me on blast in front of everybody he's got like a gazillion followers on instagram and he he uh took a picture of what i was wearing and and then he cropped it next to a 1930s uh football player and was oh it looked he said like wicked looks just like this guy. <laughs> oh my god and, and and that didn't get in your head it didn't get in my head because i felt comfortable i was like this is me I feel good. I got a smile on my face while everybody else is trying to look cool, looking tough, looking mean. And I'm like, you're already in your own head, you know. And here I am looking like this 1930s football player, <laughs> smiling. Which is very and interesting. Why is that? Because uh, that means that still in the culture, there's a little bit of this um, superficial aspect of things. Oh, yeah. Which yeah. is how you look. So mm -hmm. people are judging you on your looks. It's a fashion show. I mean, I get it. Hip is hip hop. You want to look fly. You want to look fresh. You want to be talked about like, yo, you see the kicks that homie was or, you know, whatever. I mean, it's just it's a fashion show, too. So me like being OK with what I wore, I'm like, I'm a, I'm already like not even that's not even on my radar right now. I'm just here to win. I'm here to do work like do like the work is already done. I just got to do my part. Mm -hmm. I mean, Right. I was zoned. I had that tunnel vision. Yeah. Yeah. It's cool. I mean, that's fashion in and of itself. You know, it's yeah. like you were feeling sexy. They, uh, yeah. They, they were looking sexy. I was. Right? There's, there's a difference there. I was. Like, I felt like when I look, I mean, I dress myself. You know what I mean? Like, right. I didn't. <laughs> you look like an athlete. And I felt like I looked in the mirror. I'm like, this does look like kind of throwback. And I felt okay with it. I wasn't. I was like, I could. I could rock this, you know? I mean, it's one thing to walk into a venue with thousands of people and you looking like a scrub with the fit that you were in, but you got to make that work. And I just made it work. You did. <laughs> it's sick. And that circles right back to what we were talking about. Like, you are how you feel, not yeah, how you look. Exactly. Right? So let go yes. of the material things. And, and you don't necessarily need to minimize them, but, like, look at the the layer beneath them and like how do they make you feel yes 100 percent. yeah so and you, you you felt right i felt right yeah i think that's sick yeah shout out to strike movement so. yes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's right strike movement got you covered um so check this out if we if we go back to the exercise right now and we go to the things that you love and we we see the overlap with the things that you are um good at yeah breaking and making music is your passion right that's the thing that you're passionate about yeah right so we know that dancing and making music is your passion that's one leg of this tripod and i'll, I'll show you what this is in a second so uh music and dance now uh the overlap between the things that you are good at or skilled at and the things that you do in exchange for money are music that's one side and then it's uh, in the dance scene, in the breaking scene, it's judging and developing. Right. Yeah. Right? So. Yeah, you're right. Artist development isn't just tied into me. It's, yeah, because I'm developing the dancer too. Exactly. And that's your profession. Yeah. And that's super important because if you're not doing it as a leader within your community, within your culture, it's going gonna, it's gonna to die. So that's key. And that's why people yeah. are coming up to you whether they know it or not. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times people that come up to you, they're looking for uh, personal gain.
But what we're trying to address here is the following, which is your vocation. What does vocation mean? The vocation is when you have something that contributes to the greater good, to a culture, to a scene. And for you, what you uh, have is the overlap between the things that you do in exchange for money, which right now the main things are making music and developing the artist or developing the b-boy, so breakers. Uh, and the overlap there is where you're trying to teach them patience mm-hmm. and to be themselves. Right. Right. 100%. Yeah. It's what you're teaching, your vocation, your contribution to your community is self-development. Ah, S- SD. <laughs> that's, that's it. SD. And you're saying, hey, be patient. Uh, it took me 20 plus years to get here as as a a breaker i'm still trying to get here yeah you're 41 and just this year you're starting to feel more real yeah so you have to be patient because the 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 road is long the road yay enjoy the process and that's what you're teaching people so now Mm -hmm. you have your passion on one end your profession on the other end and your vocation on the other end Ah. this is like a tripod you know that holds a camera yeah at the top of that tripod you can now place your mission. This is what you're you're trying to accomplish. Yes, it is. This is what why I wanted to have coffee with you <laughs> to talk about this. <laughs> here, here we are. Oh, that's crazy. Well, check this out. The overlap between the things that you love, mm-hmm. which was the first list you made, and the things that you believe the world needs more of, yeah. which is the last list you made, that is what contains all the values for your mission. Yes. That's what you're trying to do. Yeah. And for you, it's music, dance. You said eating, but we know that that's just part of you fueling yourself. <laughs> but, but music and dance is uh-huh. key. And you know that you want to teach patience and being more real. Right. Those four elements are the things that uh, will define your mission in your life. Damn, that's deep. And if you can go back to that on a daily basis where you can say, I wicket, uh, make music and dance every day as uh, a way of setting an example for teaching the current generation of b-boys, whether they're up and coming or have made it, how to be more patient and to tap into who they really are, then you are always going to have this like sense of fulfillment. And not just that, the more you talk about it, the more people will be able to see you for you. Right. And now they'll know how to interact with you. Yes. Oh, my gosh. Wow. Whoa. Can I have that piece of paper? Yeah, this is yours. This is yours. <laughs> this is epic. So that's kind of Ikigai in a, in a nutshell. Ikigai. Yeah. So that's what Ikigai is. That's it. So the overlap between all these things that we just talked about, mm-hmm. that's Ikigai. That's your purpose. So this is a, a Japanese... Yeah, philosophy. Philosophy, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. It's a philosophy. <clears throat> it's, yeah. Yeah, said that um, kind of originated from Okinawa, okay. Japan. And right. um, again, we're kind of like talking about it in a more like actionable, like workshoppy way. Yeah. Whereas in Japan, and I don't know this, cause I've never been to Japan going in a month, which I'm excited about. Hey, okay. But I don't want us to like come across as sounding like we we know the philosophy deeply from its roots. We've just kind of like the conversation we're having earlier, like we've Westernized it in a way that we can use to help us kind of sort through some of the confusion 
in our Western world. Today, Got it. Right. Understood. Right. Um, but that was dope. That worked out really well. Yeah, I mean, I'm like, I got goosebumps right now. Bro. Nice. So I have a follow-up yeah, qu- what's, question what's for that follow-up? because so that worked out really nicely, and I think a lot of people, you know, kind of come into this who already have, you know, their passion and vocation kind of lined up together, and then you know, a lot of times I've noticed that turns into the profession, mm-hmm. right? But I've also noticed with myself and people I've worked on this with that this can create a lot of tension mm-hmm. just simply going through this. So my question for you, Carl is for people who go through this workshop and come away or just go through each silo and, you know, list out all the things they love, what they're good at, what they do in exchange for value and walk away from it, feeling even more lost, even more tension, overwhelmed with not knowing their identity. Like, what do you say to them? Yeah, what I say is less is more. And I think this mentality that a lot of us have, which is this fear that if we choose, we lose, that that has to change. And we have to shift that to if we choose, we win. Like, for example, you go into freestyle session, you chose to compete to win. So you're going to do everything you could to simplify you being able to uh, execute on the floor, meaning what you wore. Uh, when you were eating, how you were recovering, uh, how much time you spent at the venue. Right. Like you just kept this super simple. So people who are overwhelmed are looking at this list thinking that if they choose one thing, that they're saying no to everything else. Uh. But that's not true. And, and here's the risk that you need to be willing to take. You need to be willing to, to choose something and act on it. And if it doesn't feel good or you're just kind of like, this is not really what I wanted to uh, give yourself a chance to shift gears and go into the next thing. But there's a fine line. There's a fine line between uh, just jumping from one thing to the next um, and creating a deep body of work. And what we want to do is we want to try to stay or stick with something long enough so that you can say with certainty, I gave it a full effort, a full try. I learned a bunch of things, but this is simply not me. Now I can move on to the next. Or, you know what? I didn't realize that I had to go through this kind of darkness, uh, suffering, hard uh, hardship, and now I've arrived at the other side, and this is truly what I want. So, yeah, if you choose, you win. Uh, so don't be scared of choosing, and then stick with it. I think part of the overwhelm, too, is people trying so hard to quote unquote figure it out yeah and i think we're kind of like we're pushed to figure it out at an early age you know i was talking to someone last night about this where um you know think about like even going through like an education system you go through each individual subject and then you kind of get sent out of there saying pick your favorite subject and now you go major in that and then from there that's where you get a profession in that subject Right. right, you're trying to be like siloed into a box, whereas you're you're not um, encouraged to like what we're talking about here. Test and iterate and be adaptable to change, right? And like welcome it. Like you got to celebrate that shit because like that's how you actually get to this point of like you don't figure it out, but you're constantly like moving in the direction you want to be moving in. Exactly. You just said keep the keyword welcome it, mm-hmm. and I think that's important because. 
just because you have a mission statement all of a sudden that you've written, it doesn't mean you have it figured out. Like, right. You're going to have to show up for practice mm-hmm. every day. Every day. Damn. You're going to have to try every day. And sometimes it's going to be good. Sometimes it's going to be less good, bad even. But over time, it starts to make sense and there's some clarity. So just because you have a mission statement or just because you've chosen a path doesn't mean you figured it out. Right. Yeah. yeah. So you have to let go of that too and just welcome whatever it is to come your way. Take it. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, I think that's it for, for today. Uh, that was Ikigai, the Japanese art of purpose. You can read a bunch of books about this. Uh, we definitely did not invent this. <laughs> no, o- Awakening Your Ikigai by Ken Mogi or Moji. Sorry if I'm not getting the last name right, but that's a good place to start. Okay. Right. Yeah, so I'm going to have to download that. Is, there, is there an audio book? I think every single one of these books has yeah, like probably. an audio version. Okay, so you good. can get the audio version. You can get the uh, the real book version. What do you call that? Like print copy? Hard copy. Yeah. Uh, yeah, hard copy, I guess. The, That's the, the paperback. Yeah. Did you get something out of this? Wait, did you, I did. Yeah. Was, yeah. That, was that interesting to you? Yeah, no, it was awesome. I mean, it's just uh, this is why I wanted to meet with you in the first place. Well, there you go. <laughs> we, we got it done on the podcast. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you being here uh, and and sharing. And for those who are listening, if you haven't listened to Wick's episode in season two, go back, uh, listen to that. I think we titled it This is 40, which is very Whoa. interesting that now a year later, here you are, and you've gone through this whole uh, transition where now you've taken your craft to a whole new level, Yeah, which is so crazy. It's crazy. I mean, I, I'm thinking about it now, and I was just... If I could think back, like to what my whole thought process was then, it's just, it's totally just leveled up ever since coming out on your show. Because after that, I was like, "Oh my goodness, I feel free!" Mm-hmm. Like, what would it feel like if if I did this on a song or or just on a on another platform? And on my birthday, on a, on my forty first birthday, when I um, released that song about coming out and just all my experiences it just afterwards i was just like oh my gosh i feel even more lighter you know just Mm -hmm. so that it it just it was just crazy it's just like like i'm still like laser still coming off right that's crazy (laughs) yeah that's crazy i mean look i won freestyle session that's just that's like the super bowl you know it's like i didn't had no idea you know so i have no idea what's gonna happen next week next after i leave here yeah <laughs> that's amazing yeah that's amazing well congratulations again thank you. yeah thanks for being here and rylan thank you uh you're gonna be in in Kauai next Kauai. next week what? nice uh, tough <laughs> tough <laughs> life tough life enjoy it and uh yeah uh where can people follow us? They can't follow us yet. You can't follow us, but you you will eventually. We're figuring this out as we go. Why don't we just leave them with your your song, the 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 track that you put out on your birthday? Oh, right? let's get yeah, it. Yeah, that's how we're gonna end this. So Boom. here it is. What's what's the title of the track? Introduce it. Man, I have. I don't actually. I don't remember. This I is just, me. This is. Oh, this is me. There you go. That's what it was, right? Yeah. This is me. Yeah. So here you go. This is me with Wicked. Let's get it. Yeah. You know 
I've been living this whole life. Now I'm trying to be myself. I've been lying this whole time. Tired of being someone else. Now it's time to just be me. Now it's time to just be me. Now it's time to just be me. Pushing for the world, but I feel I've just begun. Shine the box and then I learn this is who I have become. So many of these years I try to look like my peers. Realize through my tears I have nothing to fear. Being me is possibly the only way I need to be. Props people giving me, but I say me and disagree. No, I cannot be crazy legs or candy. Just like they can only be crazy legs and candy. I could be my own and I'm sitting on my throne. I'm the best in my zone. I could finally move on while you listen to this song. You 